What's health got to do, got to do with it? I'm not going to health. What the health? Aw, uh, health no. You bet there's a fire in health waiting for people like you. Can't do those things. Alright, so let's just jump right into this mess. Play it. Let's play this thing. Y'all are listening to the Mormon Nutritionist. I should say that this podcast is not intended to be individualized medical advice. As always, please consult with a medical professional in your area to make sure that your medical history is taken into account to make sure that you get the best care possible. So let's just jump right into this mess. Most people, when they think of health, they think of a couple of things. I'm going to pump you up. Girl, you look so fine. Sorry, I can't eat that. I'm on a diet. Or, mmm, great salad. Okay, so we're going to jump in and talk health. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy, right? Skinny equals healthy. Fat equals unhealthy. Done. Phew. What an easy podcast. Except... It's not easy peasy lemon squeezy. It's difficult, difficult lemon difficult. If it were that clear cut, then all malnourished and anorexic individuals would be super healthy, never have heart attacks, diabetes, cancer, or die, but that's not the case. On the flip side, if someone is overweight in our society, we almost think that they deserve to be sick. Well, they let themselves go, so that's what happens, but that's also not the case. So, let's talk about it. Traditional measures of health are weight and size and shape, right? Most people have stepped on a scale to see how healthy they are, but that number on the scale is an incomplete picture of health. It doesn't take behaviors. It doesn't ask diet. It doesn't ask habits. It doesn't ask illness or management of that illness. It doesn't take any of those things into account. And so we have the scale, and then in the the medical world, we use BMI, Right, And BMI is shown to be very beneficial in using it in terms of scientific studies that study a general population or at an epidemiological level. Um, if you're doing like a statewide study, if you're using a nationwide study, it can be helpful. The science out there behind the BMI scale is there, so you just can't throw it out the window. And whenever we're determining the risk factors for people for different disease sets, whether it is cancer, whether it is diabetes, whether it is heart disease, any of those things, we're using the BMI scale. So it's not worthless, but BMI solely accounts for height and weight. It doesn't take into account gender, doesn't take into account physical activity, body frame, none of those things, just height and weight, right? So again, it's not useless. It's just limited. So I tell my students about muscle mass and how muscle is more dense than adipose tissue or fat. So BMI for athletes will be skewed. And the example would be like The Rock next to Chris Farley or Gabriel Iglesias or Josh Gad or some other larger individual that you may know of, right? So The Rock and that larger individual might have the same BMI, but do they have the same body composition? 
And those are two different things, right? So The Rock has extra muscle, whereas uh, Chris Farley would have just been carrying a lot of extra weight around, right? So when I give that example, everybody says, oh, well, that explains it. I must be an athlete. Um, (laughs) That's not necessarily the case. Not everyone is an athlete. Okay, so then you take the next part into it and you look at what muscle mass is, right? So we've gone from just using the scale to get that number on the scale of what your weight is to using your BMI to calculate your height to weight ratio to determine what your risk would be. Then we can move into body composition measuring muscle mass. So this is another measurement of health that men will use it more often than women. But this is one that's mainly for the guys because they're looking at it in terms of I want to make sure that I have the largest muscle mass percentage that I can, whereas women don't want to look huge. They want to go to the gym. They want to be lean, but men men typically want to carry those muscles around. And you can kind of draw that back to men wanting to look like He-Man and women are supposed to look like Barbie. So again, there's some external influences on how we're going to behave. To, to kind of jump back into what we talked about with the idea of health right? There's this, the understanding of the thin ideal. And if you've never heard of the thin ideal, um, it's, it's the premise of that in order to be successful, in order to be happy, in order to be healthy, in order to be desirable, you need to be thin. And that's not necessarily the case. Okay. So even though that's not the case, we still reward people for trying to lose weight or to look a certain way, um, even though they may or may not be taking healthy steps to get there. So whenever somebody loses weight, you say, you look great. Did you lose weight? Because they didn't look great before. But I mean, I understand we're just trying to give a compliment. But if you think about that and you take it to its logical end, what is an eating disorder? If you are losing weight and you're getting rewarded for losing weight and being recognized for losing that weight, then maybe that's not the healthiest approach that's out there. So setting up worldly examples of how we want to look, I mean, you might want to try this out. Take an old picture of a magazine. You could do this for family home evening. You could do this with a teenager that you have. Take an old magazine. Take a picture of it before you do anything, like the width of it and and what it is, and then tear out all the pages that have ads on them. And then once you're done doing that, take another picture of how thick it is and what the leftover part of ads are. And then, you know, tag me on Instagram or on Facebook with the hashtag I can't add with ad for AD. So I can't add hashtag I can't add. A lot of people don't realize that those things are solely based on marketing. And again, that may or may not be the true definition of health. We all understand that Photoshop happens. And yet for some reason, we're starting to be more willing to allow that to be the norm, even though we understand that it's not fair and it's unattainable. To kind of further drive the point about how weight loss is something that people search for rather than health is I once worked with a man in the hospital who couldn't lay down because the weight of his chest would prevent him from being able to breathe. And I was consulted because he had had excessive weight loss and was at risk for being malnourished. Even though he was an obese gentleman, he still was being malnourished. And when I went into the room to talk to him about this, he was sitting in his chair, leaning forward, holding that oxygen mask to his face because even leaning back in that chair made it difficult for him to breathe. Now, I brought up during this time that we needed to talk about his weight loss and and he was so excited about that weight loss. 
And in talking to him, I told him that we needed to make sure that we were losing weight the correct way. Because when you're losing weight, you might lose muscle mass, you might lose adipose tissue, you might lose water weight. So just because the number on the scale goes down doesn't mean that you are losing healthy weight, right? But when I brought that up to him, he was just kind of flabbergasted because he, he thought, well, I've lost weight, so what's the issue? And I can fully understand that for someone that has been struggling with their weight for their entire life, it can be, well, I can focus on this positive thing going on in my life. But we want to make sure that, again, we're healthy, which is the whole point of this episode is to talk about what is health rather than just thinking of it as a number on the scale. Now, his weight loss was so fast that it was highly likely that he had lost muscle mass and not just fat cells. And that was manifesting itself in his lack of ability to help to fill his lungs. Okay, so the more that I spoke with him, it was apparent that he didn't care how he lost the weight. He simply just wanted to lose weight. So again, we're going to start to push back on that idea that health is just going to be based on the number on the scale. Because the fact is that health is more than just weight. What is the culture that you have of health with your friends? Is it based on clothing size? Is it based on cup size? Is it based on talking about how a beautiful a friend is? Or by making statements such as, you're so lucky you're thin? Or is it talking about getting a pre-pregnancy body, right? So a lot of those things can influence how we are going to behave, even if it's not as blatant as, well, my friends say this, so I'm going to do those things. That That's a, a notion that some colleagues of mine were working on with the understanding of secondhand health. All right. So Christ looks upon the heart, right? And so where is our heart? Is it based on being a certain number? Is it based on being the weight that we were in high school? Is it based on having the behaviors that are going to help us to be healthy, right? So nowhere in the Bible, nowhere in the scriptures does it talk about being a certain weight. Nowhere in the word of wisdom does it talk about being a certain weight, right? So let's let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and talk about what it truly means to be healthy. Can I do this episode on what's in a name, you get to ask the question, what about Nutella? Muffins are just morning cupcakes without icing, right? And Nutri-Grain bars are basically Pop-Tarts without icing. People love Nutella, but the reality is is that nutritionally, Nutella is basically like cake frosting that's hazelnut flavored. You wouldn't go over to someone's house for breakfast and they, they make you some toast and ask if you want some cake frosting on it. But you go over there and they ask if you want Nutella, you're like, oh yeah, that stuff's delicious. So think about that whenever you're eating foods and shoot me a message on, on Facebook at Zach Cordell RDN. Let me know some of the funny things that you could think of where you would rename a food and it might not be as appetizing as it had been in the past, but also still helps you to understand what that food really is. This has been What's in a Name. Oh my. Can I do that? All right, welcome back. So in talking about the true definition of health, we're going to look at eating fruits and vegetables, limiting meat, being mentally free to not be obsessed about the foods that we're eating, being physically able to do the things that we're wanting to do, being disease-free, or if we already have a disease, having that disease managed. 
And then the last two are like the ones that I want to drive home is that you are still enjoying life and that those behaviors that you have are sustainable. A lot of times somebody will go on a diet and they want to lose a whole bunch of weight and they'll lose a fair amount, but then they stop those behaviors because they're not something that they would want to do for the rest of their life. So anytime somebody would come to me and ask, well, have you heard about this diet or have you heard about this practice? What are your thoughts on it? My first question is going to be, is this something that you can see yourself doing for the rest of your life? And if it's not something that's sustainable, then it really doesn't matter, right? In the nutrition world, we talk about measuring quality of life versus quantity of life and how there's got to be a tipping point. Again, dietitians are not going to be the ones that are going to tell you you can never eat certain foods again. Most people think of dietitians as being the food police. That's not the case, all right? We eat ice cream, well, depending on personal beliefs. They'll eat ice cream, they'll eat pizza, they'll eat meat, but they'll also focus on eating fruits and vegetables that they enjoy. You shouldn't have to force yourself to do healthy things because in the long run, that's not going to help you to be healthy for long because you're going to get tired and you're just going to want to go back to the behaviors that you had before. So to kind of adjust this, health is really an average of our behaviors and it's what you do most of the time. So the beginning of every semester, whenever I have my students come into class, I'll ask, would you rather have one A and all Fs in this class or would you rather have all Bs? And most students sit there, think, and then they ask, well, what's the weight of the A in the course and how many assignments are there? And they try and like figure out a way of what's going on. And I have to clarify that, look, there are many assignments that you're going to have to do, but you can either get one A and all Fs or all Bs. And inevitably, the students come around and reluctantly say that they would rather have all Bs if there's their only options. And it's at this point that I tell them that you are better off in life to get all Bs than to have that one A. And this is especially true in your diet. So it's better for you to eat mostly healthy meals most of the time than to have your one Pinterest perfect picture meal once a month that you post. That one salad isn't going to prevent a heart attack regardless of how great it looks, regardless of its hashtag no filter or not. Just like saying that one prayer that one time isn't going to give you everything that you need for the rest of your life. It's the sustainable behaviors that are going to be the most important. So this will get me to the next thing is there's a movement called health at every size. And it's focused on being healthy regardless of what your weight is because you have healthy behaviors. So body positivity, for those of you that may have heard, is not limited to those people who may be overweight body positivity is not obesity promoting. It's not the idea that, well, I'm big and I'm bold and I'm beautiful and I don't need to change anything. I mean, that's part of it because they are a human just as much as anyone else is a human. But health at every size is not just for big people. It's not just for small people. It's not skinny shaming and it's not obesity promoting. It's also not anti-weight loss. The reality is that we want to know where your focus is. You might lose weight whenever you're doing healthy behaviors, but your sole focus shouldn't be on losing that weight. I can't tell you how many times people tell me that they've started this new weight loss program, which isn't healthy and isn't sustainable, but it does cause weight loss, but it's not healthy, right? And that's the, the problem where we have that if you, your fixation on health is just with that number, then you will establish unhealthy behaviors to get to that point 
just because you think that once you're that number, you're good to go. All right. So if your focus is on weight loss and that weight loss doesn't occur, then you're more likely to stop those healthy behaviors because it makes sense to stop doing what makes you healthy. And it does make sense if your definition of health is skinny because those behaviors didn't get you skinny. So again, I mentioned this before, but Elder Bednar gave a talk a while back asking if we had the faith not to be healed. One of his general conference addresses, and and I like to put the twist on that, is that if you had those healthy behaviors, and those healthy behaviors didn't necessarily make you thin, would you have the faith to still do those healthy behaviors, even if it doesn't result in weight loss? It's just something to think about. And this is important for you to address in talking to your children, too. A lot of times, adults will start to think, well, my kid's getting a little tubby, or they won't want to address it because they're like, well, he's perfect. He's just going through a growth spurt. But again, it's what are the healthy behaviors that we have? Just like the primary answers in church are reading your scriptures, saying your prayers, going to church, honoring your covenants. There's primary answers in health, right? Are we physically active? And that could include wholesome recreational activity. Are you being proactive in helping others? Are you consuming foods that are helpful to your entire body? Or are we just saying prayers over those things and hoping that they're going to turn into some kind of magical, nutrient-dense food for us? This is something that we can teach our children. This isn't just something that we need to hear as adults. Because a lot of times the diet culture that the adult has adopted gets passed on to the child. But do we pass on that approach to health rather than just weight loss to our children too. Now, let me make sure I'm clear. I'm not telling people that they should not lose weight. I'm saying that losing weight should not be the sole focus whenever we are adopting healthy behaviors, whenever we are trying to reduce our risk for diseases, then we need to understand that it's the behaviors that make the difference, not the number that is on that scale. Because you can have somebody that's thin that has a heart attack. You can have someone that's thin that has diabetes. You could have someone that's thin that has cancer, right? It's not just about those things. And even if you are having healthy behaviors, that is not a cure-all that means you will never get sick in your life, but it does reduce your risk. So if there are things that you can do to reduce your risk for getting lifestyle diseases, let's do those things. Let's not focus on the one thing that really is just a one point in time picture of what things might be. But again, it is the behaviors that make the difference. There was a study that came out a while back that showed the all-cause risk for mortality. So like after adjusting, what is the risk that people are going to die? And uh, it was a large study. Over a million people had participated in it. I'll put the link in the show notes so that you can look that over. Okay, but in this study, it shows that regardless of if you are a normal BMI, an overweight BMI, or an obese BMI, if you have these healthy behaviors of... This study mentioned drinking in moderation, but I'll I'll mention that you can get the benefits from other locations and having to drink alcohol, but not smoking, eating fruits and vegetables, and exercising. So if you adopted those four things, 
if you were normal weight, overweight, or obese, regardless of which BMI category you were in, your risk dropped dramatically. And the most benefit was for the people that were obese. And that didn't necessarily mean that they lost weight and that's why it made it healthier. It's because they were not smoking, they were eating fruits and vegetables, and they were going to be having those healthy behaviors. So just think about that in terms of it's not necessarily the weight, but it's the behaviors that are going to be more important. And you can tie that into the gospel where a lot of times people will look beyond the mark. They, they see that there are these laws that are in place and they cling so tight to the laws that are there that they kind of forget the whole reason that they were there, right? Isn't that the issue that the Sadducees and Pharisees experienced? They didn't recognize that the Savior of the world had come because they were so caught up in what the law they thought they were supposed to be following was. Same thing happens with the thin ideal. People get so caught up in being thin that they don't realize that it's not the thinness that reduces the risk. It is the the application of those healthy behaviors. We all have that skinny friend that can eat anything and they never gain weight. And you look at them while they're eating and you're like, I hate you. But the reality is, I mean, like, they're just a person and they just have a different metabolism and that's fine. But just because they don't gain weight doesn't mean that they are healthier, right? So I've already mentioned someone can have a heart attack and be thin. Someone can have a chronic illness and be thin. So just based on body size does not determine health, but it can be part of understanding the overall picture. Thanks for joining me on this episode of The Mormon Nutritionist. Hope it's been helpful. If you have questions, if you have comments, and whenever you take those pictures of those magazines, make sure that you tag me. Again, Zach Cordell, RDN, on both Instagram and Facebook. And give me a good hashtag, I can't add, whenever you do your magazine trip. I'll put the details and what you should be doing for that next activity in the podcast show notes. All I really got to say is, I hope this podcast has strengthened and nourished you. Have a great day. This has been the Mormon Nutritionist, and I'll talk to you soon.